From Bloomington, Indiana, welcome to Prescription for Healthcare on WFHB Community Radio, sponsored by Medicare for All Indiana. I'm Karen Greenstone, along with Dr. Rob Stone. Hello. Our guest, Michael Leidy, is president of Healthy California Now and a consultant with the National Union of Healthcare Workers. He is a founding fellow of the Sanders Institute and worked for 25 years at California Nurses Association, NNU. Michael Leidy, welcome to Prescription for Healthcare. Thank you so much, Karen and Rob. Great to be here. Michael, many of our listening audience do not know about the history of organizing single-payer healthcare in California. Can you give us a brief history? Certainly. The really started this current period goes back to 1994, when shortly after passage of a state Senate bill that would have established single-payer, which then stalled, advocates put on the ballot what was known as Prop 186, which was an ambitious single-payer initiative, which we thought would be in the context of a successful Clinton plan and take the next step. So, okay, we did federal reform, start, very inadequate in some respects. Let's show California, let's show the nation that California can be the model for what really it takes to guarantee healthcare to everybody. So that proposition 186 did very badly at the polls in part because of course the Clinton plan failed and also because the industry brought out the big guns and really um, hammered on some of the issues that we still deal with today. But since then, a number of bills have passed the state legislature only to be vetoed by the governor. That occurred in the mid-aughts. And in period 2017-2018, a bill went through the state Senate, but due to the governor's opposition and also some of the same players that are still there now, it stalled in the assembly. So this recent bill, AB 1400, picks up where that left off and tried to start in the assembly, did start in the assembly in order to try to overcome those barriers from the 2017-2018 bill. The sponsor of the current bill in California did not call up the bill saying he did not have the votes, although the governor, Gavin Newsom, did run his campaign supporting a statewide system of financing healthcare through a single payer system. What happened? Essentially, some of the same factors that have been a problem all along were in play, but there was also a unique twist to it because for the first time we did have a governor who was, as you said, Karen, ran on the issue, understood the issue, was supportive in concept, and when it came time to the bill itself, he was at best indifferent. But we did have the Speaker of the Assembly in support, and we did have key legislators in support, including the Chair of the Assembly Health Committee. So that was on the positive side. The other positive side was an extraordinary grassroots campaign that mobilized in virtually every Assembly district, every legislative district. And that that certainly had an impact on the number of legislators that got on board. But at the end of the day, we were probably anywhere from 12 or more votes short of the 41 votes that we needed. So the author faced a choice. Okay, are we going to have a vote that we're going to lose pretty badly, get people on record, or are we going to live to fight another day and try to convert those people who might not be available to us if we took a hard vote? 
And that was the decision that was made. I think some advocates were disappointed, but the truth is we didn't have a program that was gonna hold them electorally accountable. If we had said, okay, anyone who votes against this, we've got a $2 million fund to you know, take you on in your next primary, Okay, that's a real consequence. That's, you know, an organizing opportunity. We didn't have that. We didn't have the organizations who the legislators listen to every day on healthcare reform. And as you know, in many of these states, these are organizations that are focused on immediate change, incremental change. We did not get them on board for this comprehensive reform. So the combination of lack of that kind of organizational support and um, the inability to convince legislators that their electoral future depended on this vote, I think doomed us to a, a probably a minority of supporters in the assembly. And and just briefly for our Hoosier audience, describe how the Democrats actually do control the House and the Assembly and the Senate in California. Control, yes. I know this is quite an amazing thing. When the body is fully, fully present, 60 out of the 80 assembly members are Democrats. That's above, of course, a two-thirds majority. So theoretically, they can literally do anything. Similarly, in the Senate, it's I think it's 31 to 9 out of 40. So these are huge majorities. Part of the problem we had with this single-payer bill was that there are five members of the assembly who had retired or gone on to the things, most of whom were supporters of the bill. So that put us in a tougher spot to begin with. But this is the reality politically. Unless Democrats champion this issue, which they have not done since 1992 and the Clinton plan, it's going to be very tough to win this legislatively. And so we have to convince them that this is politically necessary to do whether they want to or not. Mm-hmm. And it's and it does, as you suggest, Karen, start with the California governor. Clearly, he knows the policy. He's inclined to do it. But so far, he hasn't um, believed it's politically necessary. And that we have to change. Uh-huh. In October, just this last fall, you posted on the Healthy California Now blog a piece titled, Failure Should Not Be an Option. And it starts out, you wrote, what are we to think about policymakers who cannot avoid seeing the signs of a failing healthcare system and yet do nothing to address the failure? Evidence is piling up that commercial insurance harms patients. If do no harm is the first principle of medicine, what legitimate role do these insurance companies have? So my question based on that is besides the usual suspects, big insurance, big pharma, hospital associations, who benefits from the current system? Because it's clearly not the residents of California, the patients who would benefit. Wall Street. Healthcare is a huge investment growth sector for Wall Street. They're buying up doctor's practices. They're buying up hospital systems. They're buying up nursing homes. They have pharmaceutical companies or the darlings of Wall Street because they provide such huge dividends. And Rob, you know, uh, the whole interconnections between the insurance companies and corporate America, these companies in the industrial sector or service sector invest in the insurance companies because they are so successful 
as instruments for shareholder growth and value. You have to start ultimately with the role that the healthcare sector plays in the economy. And that role benefits executives, it benefits shareholders, and obviously it, it benefits um, companies that you don't even associate with healthcare. So that is fundamentally the problem. This is the biggest political spending sector in the economy. They spend more lobbying and on political contributions than any other sector. The other people who benefit is why can't they see the failure of the system? I think there's an Upton Sinclair quote about that. When someone's income depends upon them not knowing, they tend not to know, right. uh, paraphrase him. And I think that's what's going on here. These are the entities that fund their campaigns, that fund the political parties. The Democratic Party has taken huge monies from healthcare companies. The governor has taken huge contributions during his recall from insurance companies and other healthcare companies. And frankly, doctors and certain medical groups benefit hugely from this system. They're equity partners, as we know, and they're also often executives with high salaries. So you just, you have to unpack the whole web of financial connections. And the truth is, these corporations are profiting from human suffering. And they are protecting their financial interests at the stake of our care. So, Michael, what is your prescription for health care? There's, there's no shortcut. It's got to be single payer. It's got to be a system that guarantees health care to everyone by eliminating all barriers to care. And that means starting with financial barriers. It means addressing the disparities and inequities that were revealed by COVID that are longstanding. It means an emphasis on primary care and preventive health because the current system obviously doesn't prioritize either of those. And what it does first and foremost, I think, is put the professional clinical judgment of doctors and other caregivers at the forefront of the decision-making process so that insurance company bureaucrats, financial interests, and all those structures that are set up to profit go away in the face of providers determining the care that is going to be most effective to treat patients as they see them. That really has got to be at the heart of the healthcare system. And it simply isn't. That we've got to restore a sense of caregiving and solidarity and those values and community and equity and justice. Those are the values that have to animate and underscore the healthcare system. So I think people, we, we often talk policy, we often talk about the interests at stake, but ultimately it's a values question. You know, what do we value and how do we incorporate our values so that people get the healthcare they need and deserve? And I think we should be righteously angry at these corporations who are literally uh, making money as we suffer. And that sense of righteous anger is completely appropriate, I'm afraid. And we that's really got to animate our movement. Wonderful. Thank Michael, you. Michael. You are the best. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us on Prescription for Healthcare. I hope the next time we talk with you that you'll be able to tell us your success story. You're here, Karen. Thank you so much. What a treat to be with you today. This is Karen Greenstone and Dr. Rob Stone for Prescription for Healthcare, sponsored by Medicare for All Indiana on WFHB Community Radio. To your good health, everyone.